Good morning, you are listening to Mornings with Radio Maria. Today I have with me Pietro Genova Gaia. Um, Pietro is a classical violinist. Um, he was born in Genova, yes. um, which is also the birthplace of the great uh, violinist Paganini. Good, exactly. Yes. Um, and attended uh, conservatory. He's a graduate of the Royal College of Music, a professional violinist. Um, and he's also organised a series of um, concerts, several of which I've been to, um, <laughs> in the Netherhall Auditorium in order to um, to give young musicians uh, a chance to, to to shine, basically. Yeah. Um, and uh, because of that, he's been the winner of the um, Royal College of Music Accelerate Scholarship. Correct. Um, yeah. So it's wonderful to have you with us yeah. here. Thank you today. so much. Thank you so much, Anna. Yeah, it's <laughs> lovely to be here and be invited to Radio Maria mm. Mornings. Do you want to just say a bit about... Um, how you ended up here? You know, what was your? How did you get into music? Okay, you mean London, England uh, in general, or Radio Maria? Oh, <laughs> <laughs> okay, no, yes, I mean, I started uh, playing the violin. If we want to start uh, talking about why I chose mm-hmm. music, yeah. um, I started playing the violin at six. I switched from the piano. I started with the piano. My parents are not musicians. Uh, um, even though I mean uh, they are very talented uh, people, you know, and but all the siblings, so we are four in the family. Uh, we all played music, and they, my parents, they always thought that music was a very important part of education. Mm-hmm. So uh, we all studied and all entered the conservatory. Mm-hmm. So it was very talented uh, family. But I'm the only one that actually pursued a career in, mm-hmm. in music, right? And so I switched to the violin at seven, and long story short, I entered uh, the conservatory at ten. Uh, then ten years of conservatory, paralleling uh, doing. Um, a contemporary uh, music, obviously high school and everything, mm-hmm. uh, all the grades, and and then I, yes, I once I graduated my in in, in Genova, and then I came here in in I won the audition in Royal College for the master degree, and so uh, that, that's why I, I came in England. And I mean Royal College is probably the 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 the, the most. Um, uh, the, the the best conservatory in the world. I mm-hmm. mean, for the second year in a row, we've been uh, uh, in the rankings. We've been classified global number one in performance in performing arts. Yeah. So yeah, it's quite good. And was it always a smooth journey because no. being a very yeah no, musician is is an intense yeah. thing, especially when you're at the conservatory and you know the the rigor of having to practice and of course what's that well, like yeah yeah no of course of course I mean musically. Uh, musically speaking, it's very hard to to um, to get along with uh, an instrument mm-hmm. uh, because obviously, if you are talented and you you feel the music and you know you have uh, something to say, uh, the instrument sometimes at the beginning um, is an obstacle. It's not actually uh, an help because mm-hmm. you have to learn the technique, right, to to make it sound good. Yes. The violin, especially the first years, is so hard. Mm-hmm. It's really difficult. And I teach kids, and I I can see myself when I was a kid and. The posture itself is very mm-hmm. unnatural. I mean, nobody plays like this. Nobody does this in real life, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, everybody does this. I mean, this is the piano. <laughs> I mean, it, yeah. you could sort of describe yeah, what you're I actually mean, doing for the yeah, radio listeners. Exa- exactly. So basically, <laughs> sort of... like tort- torturing your arm, yeah, uh, yeah. the left arm, in a position for the violin is, is really hard. Mm-hmm. I mean, and uh, but the piano goes with gravity. Mm-hmm. So you, you're sitting down. You know, yeah, it's much more you relaxed. stand up, for example. <laughs> yes, and more relaxed. So I was struggling very much at the beginning. Yeah, and um, and uh, I wanted to quit. At uh, twelve, I had a little crisis in which my mom had a really important role because mm-hmm. uh, because I was talented enough that the teachers they were tari- um, starting to put pressure on me. 
Mm-hmm. So they were trying to say you you should practice like two three hours per day so you can get better. They wanted to see me like uh, successfully uh, in in a life career, you know. Uh, um, but you know, at twelve, you're still wondering uh, <laughs> so many things. So you're not. I, I didn't have clear idea what could be even music uh, musician's life. Uh, so my mama was very tender and she told me uh, you can quit if you want. Uh, it's not a problem. You don't have to practice to be a professional, even though the conservatory prepares mm-hmm. you to be a professional, no? um, even at such a young age. Uh, but uh, and my mom told me you just need to practice ten days per per day, uh, ten ten minutes. Sorry, ten minutes per day. And um, if you like it, you carry on. And she told me something that I it remains with me still today. And she told me you will be happy one day of knowing how to play an instrument, Mm -hmm. which is so true because (laughs) all of my friends, yeah, Yeah. all of my friends, they say, I wish I could learn, I play just uh, even for fun. Mm -hmm. uh, And and that's such a gift. And she told me something, that thing was really key. And I don't know what clicked in me, but something clicked. And uh, I I fell in love with the violin. I started practicing more and more and more. And then I fell Mm -hmm. completely in love. And sort of in in tandem with that, how, how did your life of faith um, okay. Yeah. I right. mean, the faith. The faith is was. Uh, I would say always there because my parents are Catholics, uh, but mm-hmm. not really practicing like um, every Sunday. I would say. But uh, uh, my mom, my mom especially, is more uh, practicing uh, mm-hmm. Catholic, and um, she she passed me the faith most probably. And yeah, I mean. Music, obviously, the world of entertainment is mm-hmm. uh, is difficult because you are always on stage, always on the spotlight, and um, and humility, obviously, is mm-hmm. a big thing uh, that you have to work on. And um, but you know, I, I I learned also that true humility comes with uh, self awareness of your value, yeah. your yeah. own value. I mean, it's important to understand your own value. Um, you, false humility is the one that you, you know you put yourself down you want to be first also in the last place you know mm-hmm. so you're like, oh, I'm the worst ever no <laughs> that, that's you know that's false humility is not really you know it's, it's true I have a gift mm-hmm. I have a gift and it's been given to me by God you know and uh, and uh, I I if I want to be humble in a way I have to work on it mm-hmm. you know so uh, it, it becomes a service yeah. Uh, you know, it becomes a service to others. And, and that, everything, the faith gave me this perspective. And it's not just uh, showing off. It's, mm-hmm. you know, trying to, to play well in order mm-hmm. that people can uh, receive something that is good. Mm-hmm. Um, so in that sense, the faith always shaped uh, my music life, you know, uh, because it's very present. Um, mm-hmm. um, Do you want to say a bit about how I feel like mu- music particularly is a kind of a transcendental yes. art form and yeah. you know the very the church has said mm. throughout you know the ages mu- music is closest to the liturgy in many ways yes. and um how do you experience that as a musician that relationship <laughs> between music and the eternal and god and Yes I mean clearly so music doesn't inhabit the world Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, it, it does in a way. I mean, the wind in the canes, obviously, you know, like you have uh, drops of water that produce sounds, you know. But music, as we intend, music doesn't mm-hmm. inhabit the world. So we have to to put our human um, efforts to 
to to make music mm -hmm. so music making is really much a human uh, process but of uh, of crafting something which is completely un intangible which is intangible which is sound mm -hmm. and sound is so um again is so um not rational in a way you cannot explain sound i mean nowadays we explain with waves no uh, mm -hmm. sound waves but you cannot see it right so you really have to to have a relationship with the invisible mm. uh, and a really uh, deep relationship with the invisible because you have to craft your own life around mm -hmm. the invisible so <laughs> it's very much transcendental already like this right yeah then music itself it's um obviously meant to be played live yeah. uh, today we have recordings it's a blessing i'm really happy with, with with the fact that we have recordings but it's like uh photographs it's like pictures uh spending time with your beloveds uh is different from having pictures of your beloved they are good memories they're fantastic obviously but it's not the same it's not yeah. the same right music has, has is was uh, thought to be played live in fact, the live experience with music is, I think, the most, is the closest to the eternal experience, I think, because it's something that uh, um, doesn't use words, so uh, words are not necessary. Mm -hmm. um, obviously, you have opera and, you know, songs where lyrics are, they have a meaning, obviously, no? But music itself, if you want to talk about the sound, it, 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 there is no words, uh, so and you you still receive something, and everybody receives it in a different way, and uh, which is for me the representation of a personal relationship with God. Yeah. Everyone has a his own relationship with God, yeah, uh, which is very important, right? And and music is the same. People receive music through their ears, mm -hmm. and it goes directly to their soul. And there there are no other you know barriers in between. You know there are no uh, obviously I am the interpreter. So mm -hmm. in a way, I'm the filter. A bit of. like the priest. <laughs> yeah, exactly. If you want to say it like this, yes. But, you know, um, yeah, I mean, that's why you have to do a good job. Yeah. That's why you have a big responsibility because you're passing a message, right? Um, so you need to take care of it and deliver it the best way possible. Wonderful. Do you want to um, play something for us then? Yes, okay. You brought your violin into the studio. <laughs> yes, yes. Okay, so um, I will play something, just the beginning of uh, the Saraband uh, in D minor uh, by Johann Sebastian Bach, which is one of the composers I admire the most. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and um, this piece comes before the Chacon, the very famous Chacon, okay, for so solo violin. Uh, which might be listened mm -hmm. later. Um, and I just play in the beginning, and I think this piece is really touching in a way, because the Chacon itself um, was basically composed by Bach when his first wife died. Mm -hmm. And it um, uh, was a very loving man and, you know, a very, very um, caring for his family and his wife. So he really... He really composed a, a, a monumental piece, and, but this one is come. It comes. It comes before, and it gives me like the. Uh, I like it to imagine it as uh, we don't know exactly mm -hmm. if it's, this is true or not. But I, I feel like he's he knew the death was coming, and um, it's a very human touch, mm -hmm. uh, you know, that uh, to like the farewell to his wife, you know. Mm -hmm. uh, so I will play just the beginning. Uh, can yes. I take the? The mm -hmm. headphone off? Yeah. Yes. Yeah, thank you.
beautiful. It's absolutely wonderful. <laughs> thank you, thank you. I hope you like. Yeah. It's, it's nice, no? I feel like Bach is sometimes written off as being kind of very mechanical and um, <laughs> precise, but there's something so yes. so human about him as well, and that kind of plaintive, all this, yeah, suspension. Absolutely, and... uh, Bach. Bach is, um, I think, the greatest composer ever. Mm-hmm. And I'm not the only one saying this. Uh, all the composers after him, mm-hmm. they look at him as he, their father mm-hmm. of harmony of everything. Bach is so modest. Mm-hmm. It was uh, not modest, sorry, it was humble. So modest <laughs> is a literally translation from Italian. Uh, so it was so humble that actually his music wasn't published uh, immediately. So he really played for himself and for for the church. Mm-hmm. Really was serving the church. Uh, he was Protestant. Uh, some people today say he's, um, he's a, he was Catholic inside, but uh, you know. Uh, <laughs> well, but, I mean, the last thing he wrote was that glorious B exactly, minor mass. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. He wrote the, the last thing is a mass. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, but he was Protestant all his life, mm-hmm. and, and he worked for the church all his life. And um, some music obviously was published because he had to. The amount of music that he had to write down today, if someone just copied. It would mm-hmm. take decades. Mm-hmm. So we don't know how how possible was that he he was so prolific. I mean, he was really, really working all day on music, probably. Mm-hmm. And um, every every Sunday he would have wrote a cantata for the church. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, every <laughs> Sunday. Enti- it's yeah. like half an hour of music. The yes. entire thing. Yeah. Yes. In fact, I mean, some of them are you know they're very repetitive in a way, but yeah. but they are all of them. They are masterpieces. And but you know, for the um, clavier, so for the mm-hmm. for the piano, he wrote so so good. I mean, incredible music, like really, that is uh, the art of the fugue, for example, is one of the most complicated piece uh, ever written. It's a massive, monumental piece of one hour of music that, you know, still today, there are people, extremely professional people, I mean, at the top, Mm -hmm. they don't play it on public. It's too difficult Mm -hmm. to play it with the right meaning and everything, you know. And Bach is one of those composers that you cannot um, um, uh, play without taking in consideration the context of, mm-hmm. of his faith, for mm-hmm. example. Um, he's so interconnected with the faith. You know, th- there is one, for example, uh, the Passion of Matthew. No, St. John. I think St. John, pa- Passion. Mm-hmm. Uh, he wrote uh, like a oratorio. Mm-hmm. And uh, at the beginning, there are this uh, repetition of the violins, like this. And if you connect them, he, he, he made himself crosses to connect them. Mm-hmm. To, to mean like this is the passion beginning, you know, mm-hmm. and uh, he's so connected with music, uh, with um, Christianity, obviously, and his faith. Mm-hmm. Do you want to say a bit about um, what's, what's, what's the most profound musical experience you've had, hmm. sort of talking about this relationship between uh, faith and music? Uh... I might sound repetitive, but actually <laughs> Bach is the one that uh, brings me closer to, to God in a way. Uh, I had... So it's, it's, um, it would be unusual probably to hear this, but the most profound for uh, for musicians, mm-hmm. uh, my peers, but the, the most profound um, moments of uh, that I experienced in music and connected with the faith and my soul in a way mm-hmm. um, are the one um, in the solitude of my room. Is not on the stage. Mm-hmm. I mean, on the stage, obviously, I had really good experience. I remember last year just for 
as an example, last year I played with the orchestra solo mm-hmm. uh, a concert and I was in the church playing and, you know, there I was thanking God all the time, mm-hmm. uh, you know, and praying while while uh, playing. But obviously on the stage you have also to very much focus and, yeah. you know, like uh, <laughs> be very technical in a way. So, but the most profound where I'm, I'm free the most, uh, obviously, is at home in the practice room. Mm-hmm. And I remember vividly uh, I was um, preparing my last final recital for... Um, my bachelor degree in Genova, and I was practicing Chacon. I will mm-hmm. listen uh, in a in a moment. But uh, Chacon again is a monumental piece. Okay, I was playing by heart. I normally walk while practicing, so I walk around the the house. Mm-hmm. In fact, my siblings they hate me, <laughs> 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 but <laughs> but I walk and um, and um, it was twilight. Yeah. So the sun started piercing the clouds and then the the trees and then came in my in the window, you know, mm. and and through my face immediately. And there I had uh, such an experience because I was uh, I started praying. I started mm. praying while playing. I was told I uh, having a casual conversation with God, I would say, <laughs> you know, like uh, yes, I mean, but you know I I understood that what I was doing it was part of uh, something great greater than what i thought mm-hmm. uh, and and you know and making producing sound it was contributing to the creation in a way which nobody knows uh, mm-hmm. normally is not immediately understandable it's not rationally you cannot understand this how you can contribute to the creation with sound mm-hmm. how you can understand i mean it's very it's weird no it's, it's strange no? i mean it's not rational uh, but actually it is so i i i I felt that I was contributing to the creation in a way, and uh, and um, I started praying, and while playing, so yeah. I I remember that I was really profound. I still carry that on on in my heart because uh, I from 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 that moment on I I understood that I could pray while playing, yeah. and and that changed my life probably mm. as a, as a as a person, not as a musician. Yeah. As a musician, I still have to <laughs> practice, obviously, you know. <laughs> But as a person and yeah. the connection that I have with the with the instrument, you know. Yeah, that's a, a perfect moment to listen to, to the shakon. The shakon. This yeah. is uh, Yasha Heifetz playing. Ah, fantastic! My favorite, <laughs> fantastic.
Just a reminder that you are listening to Mornings with Radio Maria uh, here on Radio Maria, live from the London studio with me, Anna Fleischer, and I have with me in the studio um, Pietro Genova-Gaia, who is a wonderful professional violinist (laughs) um, and the organiser of this this concert series at Netherhall. Do you want to say a bit more about the concert series? Um, Okay, yeah, sure. Um, Well, I mean, part of my... uh, Spiritual life is also being an apostle, so trying to be apostolic in what I do. And um, apart from being a musician and play with other musicians and and build really friendships, you know, like a real good relationship with in which you know one day you you could talk about God and mm-hmm. you know the all of my experiences in 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 music making and the faith. But also another way to do a, um, um, apostolic. Uh, uh, works or you know actions um i i found it uh, very powerful on, on making creating events mm-hmm. and giving the possibility to other musicians uh to to perform uh, professionally so what i did 2 years ago is i i was living in a residence a hall of residence for uni- for international students in london uh, which is called Netherhall House, and mm-hmm. um, and they had uh, an auditorium, very nice one, uh, of 140 seats, and um, they were not doing anything with that, really. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes, you know, some conferences, or, you know, if you have, they had events on their own, but just once per year or twice per year, you know. So they asked me to do something uh, because of my career, and, mm-hmm. you know, uh, my creativity as well. I'm, I'm really much... Uh, I bother people very much with uh, with ideas normally, you know, and uh, <clears throat> so they told me, okay, fair enough, do something with the auditorium. And I created a concert series in which what we, I mean, I didn't work alone, obviously. I mean, uh, I founded with Jose Sungel, which is a very good friend of mine and is now living in Valencia, in Spain. Mm-hmm. And... Um, He's a fantastic pianist, and we, we played together as a duo. And together we started this concert series, so we are co-founder, let's say, of the, this project. And um, and um, basically what we do is one per month, uh, once mm-hmm. m- once a month, uh, we we create an event, which is uh, what we call the three-in-one. So you have three different events in one. Mm-hmm. You have a concert, proper concert of uh, classical music, um, or jazz music as well, but you know, really high quality, and uh, we try to to use the the platform as a as a launching platform for um, graduates and you know uh, mm-hmm. people that are really making their 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 um, starting their career mm-hmm. in the musical world industry and. Um, and then you have an aperitif in which people can socialize and stay with the artist as well. So they can chat with the artist and ask them questions, you know, what do you think about this piece or whatever. Mm-hmm. And which is not normal. I mean, it's not mm, usual, yeah. you know, to stay in a concert. And normally it's very much uh, uh, <laughs> distant, you know, what, yeah. what you have in their, their relationship. And then you have also a, an art exhibition. So I, I give also, we give also the opportunity to painters, to to artists, visual artists, basically, to mm-hmm. exhibit their own works uh, during the aperitif. So it's yeah. very much... Um, um, Student based, but also is, you know, like uh, very much um, trying to to promote uh, talent in a a good way. And there's so much of it. Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, yes, that it's is. just wonderful to go to. And well, one of my friends, Raphael, who's a parishioner here, he, he yes, had his exhibition yes. there of his, ah, yes, his Raphael, prints, which yes, were just I remember, yes. phenomenal. Um, Absolutely, a slightly more silly question: If you had to have dinner with a couple of composers, who would? Be <laughs> and what do you think the conversation would be like? <laughs> okay, I mean, definitely Bach, I guess, uh, mm-hmm. because Bach is. Um, 
I mean, I don't think the composer, they were nice people then. I mean, Bach probably. The, the other one I would have dinner with is Paganini, because obviously I, pray, I practice very much Paganini. Is mm-hmm. uh, I come from Genoa, which is the birthplace of Paganini, and we are sick with Paganini. I mean, everybody <laughs> plays Paganini and tries to play Paganini, you know. And at the final result, we play six caprices of Paganini, which is wow. a, yeah. a crazy amount. I mean, mm-hmm. nobody plays that. Uh, I had to learn it by heart as well. So it was it was really hard. So I would go with uh, Bach and Paganini. Mm-hmm. I don't know the conversation will come out because with <laughs> Bach, I would uh, talk about God and faith and with Paganini, just about the violin, uh, you know, and that would be the case. But um, I don't think Paganini was a nice... Uh, I mean, maybe he was a nice person, but it was tricky. I think it was uh, his character was mm. difficult, difficult character. Uh, Bach also is very humble, maybe shy. He would yeah. be very shy. I, I think it would be a very uncomfortable dinner. <laughs> <laughs> like everyone looking at his plate, you know, like, what do you think about this, uh, you know, music? I would be very much like this. Great. So um, do you want to tell people where they can find you, where they can find the concerts? Yes, absolutely. Thank you for the opportunity. <laughs> um, so I have a website uh, where you can find the things I do and uh, follow up with my concerts and stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, all my social media, Instagram, Facebook and you know this sounds very cringy but uh, yeah I mean it's okay uh, Instagram Facebook um, uh, mm-hmm. I'm not that's... on I think I'm t- on TikTok but I don't yeah. use it I mean, ju- is it just your name it's my name yes yeah. yes Pietro Genova Gaia yeah you'll find me you'll find me there are no other Pietro Genova Gaia in the world <laughs> <laughs> I'm unique <laughs> <laughs> wonderful okay. well thank you so much for coming yeah, no thank you for inviting me it was story. a pleasure This was a Radio Maria podcast. If you enjoyed it, do please click like and subscribe on your podcast provider or leave us a review. Every bit of feedback helps increase our visibility and allows us to reach more people with the message of Christ's saving truth. And if you don't already, you can listen to Radio Maria live either online or on DAB in selected regions of the UK. We'd love for you to call in live and be part of the conversation. See our website, radiomariaengland.uk, for more details and a full schedule of programmes. And do please consider making a donation so that we can keep making more programmes like this. We are completely dependent upon the generosity of our listeners.